Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. We interview women in the sports and entertainment businesses to teach you the tips and the mindset that will get you to the top faster. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. Let's bring visibility to women who are crushing it in their roles. Join us week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. We will lead you forward because leadership is female. Brooke is Vice President of Client Experiences at Bespoke Sports and Entertainment, a Charlotte-based sports and entertainment consulting and experiential marketing agency. In her role, Brooke manages a client experiences team that provides brands with custom turnkey hospitality and entertainment, event planning, and execution across the college and professional sports landscape. Brooke has spent nearly 15 years in the sports and entertainment industry. Prior to Bespoke, she helped manage sponsorship programs across major sports platforms for Novant Health, one of the largest healthcare systems in the U.S. She also led community relations efforts for the fastest-growing natural grocery store in the Southeast. Brooke graduated from Ball State University and lives in Huntersville, North Carolina with her son, Griffin. Brooke keeps it real in this episode, and you'll be blown away by her story, starting with how she got to where she is today. Buckle up because this sports and entertainment pro is willing to let you ride in the passenger seat of her race car. So let's go. Welcome to the Leadership is Female podcast. Brooke Baugh, she is Vice President, Client Experiences at Bespoke Sports and Entertainment. We are so happy to have you. Thanks so much for having me. Our pleasure. So I want to kick it to you. Tell us who you are and what you do. Oh, gosh. Um, So I'm Brooke. Um, I am the vice president of client experiences at Bespoke. It's just a really fancy way of saying that I get to throw really great parties and events all the time. Um, So we created Bespoke. uh, It'll be eight years ago this year um, and essentially kind of broke away from the big traditional uh, mold that a lot of agencies fit in. And so um, we're literally our name and that we customize every single thing that we do for the clients. And um, we created the kind of client experiences division um, out of all of our clients were doing a lot of hosting. And, you know, believe it or not, there's there are some CEOs that they've been to the masters like 10 times. So how do you create an experience that gets them to say yes? Because if you ask them to go, even though some of us would be dying and would absolutely say yes, they've been 10 times. So what makes them say yes? And so really our whole job is just to create and cultivate these amazing experiences that whether you're a sports fan or a entertainment fan or not, you still want to come because you know that the entire weekend is just going to be phenomenal. Um, and quite frankly, you could care less what, a, what event you're coming to. I cannot wait to dig in and hear more about some of those experiences and and get all the tips from you. But I want to start a little bit more on you personally. How did you get to where you are today? What's the short story of uh, Ball State um, College to your position today? There's no short story. (laughs) (laughs) The shortest version. Um, So I am from Indiana. I'm a proud Hoosier. Um, grew up in a town I graduated with 72 people, so tiny to say the least. We don't even have an actual stoplight. We just have like that flashing four-way um, and really didn't know what opportunities were out there. Uh, I went to Ball State, which is the uh, proud home of David Letterman. 
Um, and at first I wanted to be an ESPN uh, sportscaster. I love sports, love to talk, put them together. I wanted to be the next Aaron Andrews. Um, at the time I was seeing someone and uh, he had a very uh, strong opinion about like wanting, you know, me to be home more often and not be traveling so much. And so the, the sportscaster life just really wasn't going to be one that I thought I could do. Um, plus just being in Indiana, it was just such a pipe dream, you know, New York, LA, it just, Indiana is not exactly the hub of all of that. Um, and so I became a teacher. I was a kindergarten teacher and a high school basketball coach, which if you know anything about Indiana, basketball is life there. Um, and I coached at one of the largest high school gymnasiums in the world. Uh, so always fun fact uh, to say. Um, and then life just kind of happened. I came to Charlotte on what was supposed to be a week-long vacation that I had because I had the summers off because I was a teacher. Um, met a lady who was a principal in Mooresville, North Carolina. And what they were trying to do, um, we were already doing in Indiana. And so I basically kind of convinced her, um, honestly, at a bar, like sitting there having dinner with her, uh, that she should hire me. And so I, on a whim, moved to Charlotte. <clears throat> I taught for a year. Uh, in Mooresville, North Carolina, Mooresville is NASCAR. It's literally like on the giant water tower. Tower. It says Race City, USA. Um, it's where everyone from NASCAR works, lives, that kind of thing. Um, I knew nothing about NASCAR, like absolutely nothing. But all of my parents somehow, some way, had a job in it. So I just started asking questions. Um, and then, funny enough, I had a parent who was a pit crew member for a driver who was getting ready to throw a charity event. And he came in one day and he was like, hey, um, our driver's kind of like asking around the garage for volunteers. We really shouldn't be the ones who's asking. Like, you seem fun. You seem to know how to throw a good party. You seem organized. Like, how about I introduce you guys? So I said, okay, great. And so um, I did that event for him. He then introduced me to another driver, did another event for him and kind of just went this charity route. Um, and then funny enough, the uh, driver that I did the first event for, he had a uh, PSA with a local healthcare system um, in Charlotte, and they needed someone to run sports partnerships. And he just called me one day and he was like, I think you should do this. And I was like, you know, I'm a kindergarten teacher, right? Like I know nothing about any of this. And he was like, no, this is, this is what you should do. Um, <clears throat> so he put my name in, um, thankfully they said yes. And so then I started my first like real job in sports, um, managing sports partnerships for uh, a healthcare system called Novant Health. They had just done a deal with the come back again, Charlotte Hornets. So the Hornets were in Charlotte, then they left for a little while, then they came back. Um, so they were uh, revamping their deal with the Bobcats because they were getting ready to turn back into the Hornets. Um, part of that deal actually included a PSA with Michael Jordan which again, Indiana girl, basketball girl, like you want me to sit in a room with Michael Jordan and not lose it? Like what? <laughs> uh, but luckily I made it through that meeting and, and did you know a really great job. I loved my position at Novant. Um, we grew it so much so that I was able to hire an agency to kind of help me um, with all of the activations and things we were doing. The agency that I hired, um, I had known the, the principal of that agency um, for some time when I was trying to like kind of figure out my life. Um, I had gone to a networking event with him and 
you know, when you just meet really good people and you just know that they're just solid folks and you don't know how or what you're going to end up doing with them, but you just know somehow they're going to be in, in your lives. And so, um, this is going to sound really corny and probably half the people listening to this don't even know who this girl is anymore, but there was a show, Mary Tyler Moore show, um, that was, you know, about a woman trying to make it in a man's world and the like theme of the show, uh, or like the thought, the theme song always ended with, you're going to make it after all. And then she like throws her hat up in the air. So I post this picture of Mary Tyler Moore throwing her hat up in the air. Um, and, uh, just the day that I met this guy and was just like, today was this like super inspirational day, whatever stupid things you post on Facebook, like 15 years ago. Um, and so we, I end up hiring his agency to be my agency at Novant Health. And then he leaves and, uh, I called him and I said, Hey, where do you think you're going? You can't leave. I hired this agency because of you. And he was like, you know, come have a beer with me. And so, um, I went and had a beer and he essentially started talking about the vision of what is now bespoke sports and entertainment and just how there was this niche in the agency world that wasn't being filled and how he could just see it's almost like that Jerry Maguire moment of like less clients, more quality time, you know, all like the manifesto late at night. Um, and I had, I had subsequently, um, in the time I got married and we had just had our son, um, Griffin was like one at the time. So anyway, at the end of the beer, he basically asked me to quit my job and <laughs> come over and start, uh, help him start bespoke. And I told him that he had lost his mind and that I was going to stick at my perfectly comfy corporate job that provided me great healthcare and very flexible hours with my baby and to have a nice day. And so I went home that night and, um, the next morning was like laying there, just like looking at, um, it was time hop at the time, you know, before Facebook had memories and two years ago today, there's that picture of Mary Tyler. I start crying even now, just talking about it. Like I, so you can imagine I bawled like a baby. I called him. Uh, he was very confused. He was trying to figure out if Mary Tyler Moore died. Like why, why I was crying, why I was talking about Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> um, and then we eventually got around to, I believe in this and this is a sign. Let's do it. And that was um, eight years ago. And here we are today. Oh my gosh, Brooke. I love this story so much. And I, gosh, you guys, I hope you were listening like kindergarten teacher to VP in sports and entertainment, um, trusting your gut, following your vision, meeting the right people. And, you know, we always talk about like putting ourselves in a position to win and to meet the right people. And maybe there's a little bit too much wrapped around that, like being in the right place at the right time for you was, was teaching Mm -hmm. in North Carolina and having parents who are working in, in a sport that you weren't even sure that you had interest in working in, but it afforded you this opportunity. And and I think, you know, staying true to yourself and they could see the potential in you and what you could, what you could do. And it's, it's just, it's such a great story that, you know, you don't have to be like so tied into um, where you should be showing up. Um, Maybe you're in the right place and maybe you should just trust leaning in on, on who you are and, and what you're capable of and opportunities can come your way. Amen. Couldn't have said any better. 
Oh, I love that. Well, you did say it better. It's your story. (laughs) (laughs) So now you're in this role, eight years, you've been with the company, grown with the company, but you had that, that sort of launch pad from Novant Health. What did you learn about sponsorship client services and client services in general that make you so good at your job today? Yeah. So I'm always super grateful um, when I get to speak to like college classes and things. And I, I say, okay, you want to work in sports. What does that mean? Um, And so I put it into kind of buckets, you know, there's brand jobs, there's league and team jobs, and then there's agency jobs. Um, And those are the three like pretty big buckets that just about every job falls into. There's pros and cons to everything. So on the brand side, I really loved um, having the checkbook (laughs) and, you know, like it never hurts when you're the one being wooed. Um, And, you know, but the, so that was definitely the pro. The con was I only got to work in whatever my, um, my work sponsored. So at Novant Health, we were a huge partner of the Hornets. And then we had some minor league partnerships and things too, but really the majority of our dollars went to this uh, NBA partnership. And again, I'm a basketball girl, so while I love that, like I wanted to get some NFL experience and some college football experience and NASCAR experience and all of these things. And so the brand side doesn't really afford you the ability to do that. Um, and then the brand side is also just very um, corporate. I mean, that's basically the word for it. You know, you dress up every day, you sit in a cubicle, you, I had great colleagues and coworkers, but like at the end of the day, um, I felt like I was just this, there was like a giant cog and I was just a very small part of the wheel. And if you removed me, that big old cog just kept spinning, um, especially in the healthcare system. I mean, they're literally like curing cancer. My beautiful ideas about, you know, sports marketing, not really a high priority in like the grand scheme of things. Um, and so instead of kind of beating my head against the wall, I was like, where does my personality fit? Um, you know, the, the team and league side, I've never personally been on, but I have a lot of friends who have been, so I feel like I can speak to it. Um, there's something to be said to say about being a part of a team, you know, like people wear it as a badge of honor. Like I work for the Indianapolis Colts or the New England Patriots or, you know, whatever, like it's very, um, there's like this team building aspect to that. Um, but again, the same issue was arising with me. Like if I went and worked down the street for the Panthers, all I would be doing is football games. And I wanted to do more than that. Um, so the agency world was a world that I had never really um, tried, but I just saw the opportunity. And so I'm super grateful for my time at Novant because it taught me all the like, nuts and bolts. Like it taught me how to read contracts. It taught me how to uh, evaluate assets. It taught me what some brands see as important may not be what other brands see as important. So it taught me kind of how to make a well-rounded group of assets um, and really look at like consumer data and just um, get smarter. Um, I always say big brother is watching it because it's kind of scary, like how much we can know about a person just if we pay attention. And so the brand taught my brand work taught me all of that, which then I then parlayed over to my agency work. And now I just do it for multiple brands and multiple sports. And I get all of that variety that I was craving. 
Yeah, I love that cross. It's not outside of the industry, but it's you you put it very well with the three different verticals you can work inside of sports and the pros and cons to each and you know what you value and what you want out of it and you found that working the agency side was the best fit, but your foundation on brand side has really helped you. I can't imagine the understanding you have for your clients having been the client, right? And funny enough, Novant is now one of our clients. And so it's, it's, it's helpful, you know, to have all of that. I'm sure. I'm sure. And I'm sure it's no, uh, no mistake that they now um, are one of your clients as well. <laughs> they didn't let me get far. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Okay. So nine years now with Bespoke and you have you know, been there for that time, grown from day one, from that drink at a bar to, to start. And you've recently, Bespoke has recently been nominated for an SBJ for best sports agency in creative and innovation. So huge congrats on that. And what do you think are the key factors that led to one, that nomination? Um, but then on the personal side, what has led to you sticking with it for um, this last nine years? Oh my gosh. I'll cry again. (laughs) Um, so one, I'm just so proud. And I actually was just in a meeting with our entire team and we have a lot of young people. And I sat there and I said, I don't think you guys realize how big of a deal this is. Um, you know, they kind of came in when the agency was growing and flourishing and, and they weren't there, you know, the first day when we didn't have a trash can and, like somebody wanted to see if the printer worked and I was like, okay, where's the paper to put it in? And they're like, this thing doesn't come with paper, you know? Like, No, no, it doesn't. Um, so to grow something from literally the ground up, um, other than the birth of my son, I've never had a more proud moment. Um, it, it literally is a birth, um, just of a company. And, um, the, the two men that I, um, grew this, the start of the company with, like, they're just, they're absolute family. And, um, what we've been able to do is just phenomenal, but I honestly think, and this sounds cliche, but it's our people. Um, we have the best, um, folks, we end up spending more time with each other than we do with our own families. And so we have become this family and then our clients are an extension of that. Like I have been in a client's wedding. I have thrown clients baby showers, like they are a family too. And so when you look at um, who's in the category, uh, who else got a nomination, it's the behemoths, right? Like it's Wasserman and and GMR and Octagon and, and folks that are just, we can't even touch like the size that they are compared to what we are. But I think that that's what makes us special is we're not a behemoth. Um, when you call, you probably know the person that answers the phone and, um, and, you know, or if you don't, they can get you right to the person that answers the phone. And when we sit in meetings, our CEO and president are sitting there with us. Um, and that's where we have just done things differently. And our clients have really, you know, uh, reacted to that. I am so much of a different person than I was nine years ago. And it's because of that approach, like uh, Mike and Greg, who we helped start the company, like they brought me in on day one and I was 
in my 20s and probably did not deserve to be sitting there having these conversations. But quite frankly, no one else was going to be there. So they needed, they needed the bodies. But then, um, you know, they saw that I had a passion for this and saw I had a passion for that and believed in me when I honestly didn't believe in myself or didn't even know what to believe. Um, and I look back now at all of these crazy things that I've done. And um, I sit on panels and I am interviewed on podcasts and I'm just a farm girl from Indiana, you know, but um, because of the kind of intimate nature of the way we run our business, um, it's just helped catapult me personally. And then it's also just made us so sticky in the industry. And I think, um, you know, industry professionals are appreciating the way that we're going about it, which is why we were nominated for the award. Oh gosh, congratulations again. And and hearing how you guys have, you're not trying to be something that you're not, you're so well-defined in, in what you do in the way that you serve your clients. And that's meaningful. And that's why you're in the position you're in today. And um, uh, gosh, I just love that. And how lucky are those that get the chance to work with you? And if they don't know it now, they'll know it fairly soon. You know, what a, what a great way this was to, um, to start their career. And we just closed out Women's History Month. And there was a really cool activation at the Atlanta Motor Speedway to celebrate. Can you tell us um, about that celebration and, and what they did? Oh my gosh. So this is another, again, when you love working for an agency that can be nimble and move things quickly. So about 10 days before the start of March, um, we, we were just kind of sitting around randomly talking and I was like, you know, I wonder what NASCAR is doing for Women's History Month. And so I called them and they had some internal um, things for their employees and stuff. But as far as like an outward, like we're going to do this or this is our platform or whatnot, they really didn't have one. Um, and we have a great client in Advent Health, which is a healthcare system out of Florida. Um, and they were really looking on how to get sticky in women's sports. They're very involved in sports, but a lot of their sports partnerships are predominantly male. Um, you know, the Bucks and the Lightning and the Magic and those kinds of folks. And so they're like, how can we break into women's sports? And um, there's only one full-time female driver in NASCAR right now um, in all three series, um, the Truck Xfinity and Cup series. And her name is Haley Deegan. And she's the daughter of Brian Deegan. So a lot of people know her from like the metal militia days of, of Brian and whatnot, but she is her own force and she is a rock star. And so I called her and I said, Hey, I have this crazy idea. Let's do a women's history paint scheme on your truck and let's run it in Atlanta, which is happening during the uh, women's history month. And she was like, okay. And so we were batting around, like, you know, do we put, the first woman to ever drive in NASCAR? Do we put the first woman to ever win a race? Do, and it's so hard to pick one, right? Or even to, to pick a handful. And I just kind of had this epiphany and I was like, listen, every single woman that works in this sport from the person that is the, the PR person to the official, to the person that opens the garages in the morning, to, to everyone, credentials, all of the things are the reason that this sport is successful and we need us all. And so I wonder how many women there are that work in NASCAR. And NASCAR has this uh, 
credential card called a hard card, that if you work in four or more races throughout the year, you need a hard card in order to work. And so I, I called them and I said, hey, can you run a report to see how many hard card holders there are? And there were over 1,300 names. And I was like, this is our story. This is it. And so in very small print, um, we put all 1,300 women, over 1,300 women on Haley's car or on Haley's truck on the deck lid um, and then ran kind of a, a women in NASCAR paint scheme, which is the um, nonprofit group that women that NASCAR started for their employees. Um, and we said to, we kind of made like a last second announcement. Hey, anyone that's available, come take a picture on the grid. We'll hand you a t-shirt, whatever. And we had like 50 women that just came out and, you know, stopped their day job, came out, took the picture. And what I think was the coolest thing is I actually saw um, one of the drivers come over to the car and he took a picture and I said, what are you taking a picture of? And he said, my wife and my mom are on this paint scheme because they also were in the industry. And he was like, I want to send it to them. And so even the ones that weren't there, um, you know, their, their significant others or their daughters or, or their, their bosses were coming over and taking the picture and sending it to them. And we um, are actually making like a little mini version that we're going to send to a lot of the women. Um, Cause I just think it's, such a statement. Um, NASCAR specifically, but sports in general gets kind of the rap uh, unfairly of being a, a man's world. And I'm like, there's literally 1300 of us. Like, you know, I mean, even five, 10 years ago, that list would have been a lot smaller. It certainly was when I first started in the garage. So um, I was just really proud to be able to pull that paint scheme together to be able to sponsor Haley, who I wanted um, to for her to feel love and, and to have that support. Um, and then I was super grateful. I mean, we turned that idea around in 10 days and for the league and the team and the track and the driver, and then all of the entities to all approve in less than two weeks, it was a miracle. <laughs> and so I'm just super grateful for everyone just getting on board and realizing how important it was and, and getting it done. Oh, how cool. I just experienced like a whole range of emotions <laughs> listening to you tell that story and what an impact. And, and I think that, you know, how cool for all the women's names, but what got me, I think, was the story about the man acknowledging the women and taking, taking those pictures and, and sharing those. And just really that recognition, I think means so much, um, of the hard work that, that makes it all happen. How much has the celebration and acknowledgement of women's work changed in your eyes over your career? It's so, um, so I actually, um, was the inaugural class of um, event marketer has an award called market like a mother um, that they just started a couple years ago. And so I was the, the first class that got um, that award. And when they told me that I had won it, like I just had this epiphany of like, this wasn't, you know, I've been a mom for, I mean, my son's 10 now. So like I've been a mom in a while. And, but this just wasn't even a thing a decade ago. Um, one, quite frankly, there probably wasn't enough of us. Um, and then two, we were all hiding, for lack of better words, or just trying to blend in, I think is probably the better way to say that is, you know, we didn't want to stand out. Um, we didn't want to 
you know, be, be the woman, be the different thing in the room. We just wanted to be considered one of the guys. And, um, I've kind of reframed that in my own head and then give the advice, um, to women that are kind of coming in is like different is better. Um, different gives, uh, alternate perspective. It gives, um, variety. Like imagine if this world was just full of the same, like it just wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be an interesting world. And so um, instead of blending in, you know, I now support people standing out uh, because that's what makes you memorable. And, and hopefully, um, you know, you're able to, you know, put your like little, little stamp on this world because you did do something different. That's such a great point to bring up. I think early in my career, for most of my life, probably, I was trying to blend in. I had two brothers growing up and I was a tomboy and I was always like one of the guys. I can play sports too. I can do that too. And it wasn't in a way that I could do it like my way was I could do it just as good as you or I could do it like you. And so I love how you're now really celebrating and coaching and teaching that variety is better. Different is better. And, you know, it, it really meshes with the name of uh, your agency. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I worked uh, in sports at first. Like I always had my hair pulled back. I wore black, nothing, you Me know, nice like I've got print, got my hair down. Like it's just, I've, I've totally changed how I even like look and then just present and, um, and I'm just, this way is so much better. I'm, I'm glad I don't have to wear black all the time anymore. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, doesn't it feel good to be yourself and be able to succeed as your authentic self, as the person that you are and we're meant to be so true. So what do you think is the greatest achievement in your work? Oh man. Um, so I'll go two paths on this one. One is, is professionally and then one is, is personally, because um, I think that we're crazy if we think that they don't blend together um, with as much as we work, like your personal life is your work life and your work life is your personal life. Um, so from a work standpoint, so we actually um, got nominated for the SBJ back in 2020, which we all know what 2020 was. Um, and believe it or not, we only won. Um, so we were six years old at the time. We were the youngest agency to win the award. And I, you want to talk about crying? Like I cried so hard that day um, because they they tweaked the award that year because of course it couldn't be judged on like the big activations you've done and that because it's 2020. And so it really was on how did you pivot and how did you get creative with this crazy world? And that's what bespoke was like meant to do, right? Is how do we get creative? How do we get custom? How do we, you know, change on a dime and can we move quickly and all of those things. And so to be acknowledged um, for that in such a, hard time that like our country was going through. And, you know, I'll never forget, we were all in uh, my boss's backyard, like sitting at separate pods, you know, like, cause it was still like, you could be outside together, but you weren't supposed to be close and all of the things, you know, we weren't allowed to go to the award ceremony. We weren't allowed um, to, to be in the, the ballroom, but I'm so grateful that we had that opportunity because we were all together. 
and you know the the COVID rules went out the window a little bit because I hugged everyone. <laughs> um, but that is just a moment in my life that I will never forget. Um, and then, you know, personally, I remember um, calling my son that night and being like, "Buddy, we won." And he, it's so funny. He was like, well, of course you did. Like, you know, it just didn't even register to him that we wouldn't win because in his eyes, like we're, we're the best and his mom is the best. And, um, when we, you know, go, I take him everywhere. He's like my little companion. And so when we go places, uh, you know, someone will start talking about sports and he'll like hit me and be like, mom, tell them who you are. And I'm like, Oh, God, you know. Um, but just there's children are ridiculously honest and they have no, they have no filter. And to see what I do through his eyes and to see how proud he is of that, um, you could give me every award and, and then some, and it still wouldn't mean more than just his, like little mini award that he gets me um, of the satisfaction of just being proud of his mom. Oh gosh, Brooke, you are a great storyteller and you're really good at uh, bringing in emotion because I'm just feeling every one of these stories that you're sharing today. And I'm so happy the next question is asking you to tell a story again. What's the coolest experience that you've had? Oh man. Um, God, there's so many of them. Um, I think the best one I have was right when we first started the agency, um, FS1 was coming out. It wasn't a network and it was launching as a network. And the very first football game, college football game on FS1 was going to be Michigan versus Utah. And it was the homecoming of Jim Harbaugh. It was his first game as a, as the Michigan coach. And so the prodigal son returns, you know, and, um, we, we had some relationships over on the Fox side and they said, Hey, we want to take a bus, tour it around the country, it end in Utah, and we want it to like look like Harbaugh. And I'm like, what do you mean you want it to look like Harbaugh? And like the Harbaugh has a very infamous uniform of like the blue sweater with the M block, the uh, leather belt, the khakis, and the whistle and the and the uh, play card tucked in. And so it was like actual khaki pants, like real fabric that went on this bus, real leather real sweatshirt material. So this giant bus rolls out and they called it the Har bus. And literally it looked like Jim Harbaugh rolling down the road. Um, and then we filled it with um, five college kids that looked like Harbaugh and they were called the Har bros. And so the Har bros got on the Har bus and we toured the country. And every morning we went to a Fox affiliate to kind of talk on the morning show every afternoon we did some sort of celebrity appearance. And then every night we went to a baseball game and because that's what was on Fox. And then they were, you know, promoting um, the upcoming uh, launch of FS1. And we got a ton of pickup. Like, as you can imagine, there was a lot of people talking about it to the point where when we got close to Utah, we got word that the Utah AD at the time was like, that bus is not allowed on campus. You are not allowed campus you are not allowed to come to the game like essentially we're banned for the state of Utah and um so we said okay fine no problem so we did I mean we had hotel rooms and so we went and I this was year one of bespoke so again like and, and really like two or three years removed from being a kindergarten teacher and um some of 
my nativity actually worked well for me. And then I was like, well, I mean, are they really going to stop us? And so I had an FS1 polo on and I had a clipboard and I had like a little earpiece and I had the boys and I was like, come on, let's just walk up there and try. And so we went in the talent gate. Well, the talent, the security was like, oh yeah, I've seen you guys all over TV. And I was like, yeah, we're supposed to be on the field with the Fox talent. They're going to interview the boys. And they're like, okay, didn't check a pass, didn't check a thing. We had nothing literally nothing. And we walk all the way down, we get on the field and um, I think it was Matt Reiner came up and like started talking to the boys. So everyone was like, oh yeah, they're supposed to be here. Well then uh, Jim Harbaugh's wife comes out of the tunnel, sees the Harbros and it's like, oh my God, I've been seeing you guys everywhere. Can I take my picture with you? So I'm like taking a picture of Sarah Harbaugh with all these people and coach walks out. And so he comes over, he shakes every one of the kids' hands. I thought they were going to pass out. Like they absolutely were. And I look up on the big screen, which is the live feed of what's going on TV, on the broadcast. And they were filming Utah warming up. Then they then move it to Harbaugh meeting the Harbros. And out of the corner of my eye, I see the AD and he is completely across the field. And instead of like walking around, nope, he is direct line straight through the field get out. I was like, and I remember my boss at the time, like texting me and he's like, Hey, don't worry about it. Like Utah was just going to be the icing on the cake. Like no worries. We got so much brand exposure. This is going to be great. And then he sees us live on TV and I just like text it back. I'm like, enjoy your cake. <laughs> so that was, um, that was a fun one, but like the pants survived a monsoon in Chicago when we were driving through and I know more about epoxy now than I ever cared to know about it. Like what'll make pants stay on a bus while you're driving across the country. So um, that was, that was one for the memory books. That's for sure. Oh my goodness. Well talk about creativity and, and pulling it all together. Um, also the lesson here is dress the part. <laughs> yes. Always have a backup earpiece, even if it's not attached to anything. I've gotten so many places just because I have an earpiece in my ear. <laughs> Stash that in your purse for sure. And then um, I, I would love to see those, those, the Harborough's resumes today. It's like the interesting fact. I was a Harborough so <laughs> back in the day. Is one of them is now uh, the VP of our consulting services. <laughs> no way. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He interned with us and then he was like, I really like what you guys do. And, you know, seven years later, he's like, all right, I'm now running the, the consulting services for, for bespoke. Well, you guys have the best origin stories for your staff. I love it. That is so cool. Okay. I want to talk about wise for a minute. Oh yeah. And how much has your involvement in wise helped you feel supported in your career? So kind of a similar story to the, the paint scheme, you know, I, when I moved to Charlotte, I knew that there were women who worked in sports, but trying to find groups of us was hard. Cause if you go to just a team or a brand, there's like one or two. Um, and so we were like, how do we collectively get everyone together? And so in 2019, we kind of put an all call out. Like we think we want to start a Charlotte chapter of wise. Is anyone interested? Over 200 people came to that first call. Um, and so we very quickly were like, okay, this is the thing. And so we, we created a board 
um, that I am very grateful to be a part of. And we launched and we do kind of monthly networking, networking events. Some of them have like specific themes or um, goals. Some of them are more just like, hey, let's get together. Um, but then 2020 hit and, you know, we weren't able to get together. So now coming out of that, like, I am just so grateful. There's a lot of people that can sympathize, but there's not a lot of people that can empathize, meaning that they actually know what you're going through. And then um, being in my mid thirties, like I was trying to find someone older than me that I could say like, Hey, how did you get through this? And I, I was striking out. And so then this group kind of came along and helped me find, I call, I call them the OGs, but like the ones that, you know, went right before me and they're like, Oh yeah, I, I know exactly what you're dealing with, you know, and here's what I did and blah, blah, blah. And then we have created this even stronger network for the girls behind us to now, um, this is like, I always said, when I first came into the, the NASCAR garage, no one looked like me. And I kept trying to find um, a woman who, she just seemed to have a couple characteristics. Uh, one, she needed to be a shoe, um, <laughs> which knocked out like half the garage um, or more than half actually. Um, and two, um, she needed to be a, a wife. Um, it's, it's hard when you have to leave, um, you know, someone at home to travel as much as we do. Um, three, she needed to be a mom. Uh, as hard as it is to leave your spouse, it's even harder to leave your kid. And so needed to understand that. And then four, she needed to be, and I never quite got this wording right at, or PC, but like nice, you know, um, I felt like a lot of the women that came before me had such a hard-nosed way to go about it. And I don't blame them. Like they didn't have any other options really, but it's almost like they had to be a, you know what, in order to like get people to hear them. And it's just not in my DNA. Um, some of my coworkers would argue, but like I always start with the friendly side and then and then go to the not so nice side if I need to. And so the some of the advice I was receiving of like, we'll just be meaner. We'll just don't smile. We'll, you know, stop hugging people that just wasn't going to work for me. And so um, what I found in WISE was this amazing breadth of people who were badasses, but they were badasses with smiles on their face. And that's who I needed. Um, and so now we're a little over 200 members strong. And we just came back from New York where we did a national symposium. And that was super cool to get every WISE member from the nation um, around. And then they gave away... Um, these women of the year uh, awards. And there were four women of the year that were um, awarded the award. And I was personally friends with two of them. And so again, to see where I've come in my career and come in my network that I go from being a kindergarten teacher to being on a first name basis with women that are winning women of the year awards, like that says a lot. I don't know about you, but I love learning more about myself. If there's a quiz out there to help me better understand who I am, I'll take it. If there's a journal prompt, I'm using it. But how about a business that helps female leaders communicate effectively while inspiring confidence and trust in those you want to impact? Sign me up. 
Breakthrough Brands is unlocking clarity for women leading progress. They build leadership brands for women to discover what inspires them, define what drives them, and unlock how to share their brands with others. Do you want to gain clarity on your personal brand? Shoot me a note at leadershipisfemale at gmail.com or on Instagram, and we will introduce you to the women who will help you unlock your leadership brand. That's BreakthroughBrands.com. If you are listening to this podcast, I know you are a busy professional. We can agree we are always looking for products that are convenient and make life easier. Mobot water bottles are one of these products. It's a water bottle and a foam roller in one. I use the water bottle at the gym, staying hydrated in boot camp and then flipping the bottle on its side at the end of class to quickly foam roll my legs. It helps with recovery and gets me back to work faster. Get yours at mobot.com and use the code leadershipisfemale, all one word, to get 15% off. Support Lonnie Cooper, the female founder of this product, and support yourself. This is a must-have wellness water bottle. At Leadership is Female, we are serious about supporting you in your career. That includes the tips to get you ahead inside your current organization or provide you with the next big opportunity in a new role. That's why we have partnered with Legacy Search, an executive recruiting firm specializing in mid to senior level executive searches across professional, collegiate, and minor league sports. Check out the openings listed at LegacySportsSearch.com or in our monthly Leadership is Female newsletter. Hint, if you have not signed up for the newsletter, head to leadershipisfemale.com. If you find a job listed at Legacy Sports Search that looks like it should be yours, email us at leadershipisfemale at gmail.com and we will introduce you directly to the opportunity. This is your career. Make the most of it. Oh man, that is that is so cool. And, and I can personally attest as well to the value and the importance of WISE. And before I moved back to Reno in 2018, WISE Houston was starting their mentorship network. And I um, was like, of course, I, I would love to be a part of that. And I was like, can I be a mentee? <laughs> and they were yeah. like, no, you're a mentor. <laughs> and I'm like, but I don't have that you know the criteria that you listed like really resonated with me because the women that I had to um, sort of look up to, not many of them had sort of fit the criteria that you outlined, which was things that I needed too. I was I was a wife, I was a mom of two. I had you know other priorities in my life besides just my job, and I wanted to know that I could do both of those things. And, um, so that was, it was kind of funny when I, I was like raising my hand to be mentored <laughs> and, um, I'm lucky now, you know, my network has come a long way in those years, but it has not come without, um, a lot of work and putting yourself out there and, and asking, you know, not to pick people's brains, but to like form genuine relationships with people and add value. Yes. So true. Common misconception is that women need to drop out of sports once they get married or once they have a kid. Um, and that the only ones that survive are those that just truly marry their job and have no other relationships outside of that. And it's just not true. Um, doesn't mean it's not hard, but you can do it all um, if you have the right network to support you. And so that's why I'm grateful for mine. 
So speaking of that, tell us a little bit more about your life in North Carolina, your son, Griffin, your successful woman with a busy life, you know, raising your son and, and being a part of your family. What are your keys to getting it all done and finding so much joy? Oh my gosh. Um, well, you say I'm a great storyteller and I bring out emotion. So here we go. Um, so a little over a year ago, I actually um, was diagnosed with stage one endometrial cancer. Um, it came out of absolute nowhere. And the irony is the uh, NASCAR driver who I was the first one that I met and I helped plan the very first charity event, his um, longtime partner who was also a part of that charity event, um, she had been diagnosed with ovarian cancer when I was at Novant. And so I went through that diagnosis with her and then subsequently um, raised money for um, female cancer research. And she was the one who we had lunch and she kind of was like, hey, like you should maybe, you know, get some things looked at. Like what you're saying to me isn't very normal and it's got me a little bit worried. So you need to go to my doctor. And we're all very busy and I wasn't going to make the time. And then she kind of forced me to. <laughs> um, and I was super, super grateful that she did because I caught it ridiculously early. Um, and I'll never forget. I was um, Duke's mayonnaise is one of our clients and it was the launch of the Duke's Mayo classic. And so it was at an ECU playing a game a college football game, a bank of America stadium on Thursday then there was like a client dinner party on Friday and then it was Georgia Clemson on Saturday. And that's when Clemson Clemson's fallen off a little bit, but that was when Clemson was Clemson and Georgia was Georgia. And it was the year Georgia won the national, the first year that Georgia won the national championship. And so that was like the game of games. And it was also one of the first kind of games back after COVID. And so everyone was just ready to go. And I was responsible for, both of those games and all of the activations and, and the teams and everything that was going on and basically squashed in the middle of those two games is when I received my diagnosis. And um, I think um, with any getting a life-changing uh, news like that, you can go kind of one of two ways. You can either go in a hole and cry, which don't get me wrong, I did for like a hot second, um, or you can just see it as the blessing that it is and, um, just come back even stronger. And so I decided to immediately have surgery, get it removed so that I didn't have to worry about it anymore. Had to go through some therapies and things, but, um, thankfully I ended up being just fine. And with that, I just had this shift in mentality of what's truly important. And so you know, something as simple as just sitting in a meeting on a Monday at two o'clock and, you know, the world is going to end because, um, you know, somebody didn't get their like ribbon board graphic on time. Like, is it really, <laughs> you know? And um, I always uh, used to use the adage of like, guys, we're not carrying cancer here. Like, it's okay, calm down. And then when my, when myself had to actually get cured by cancer, like I was like, okay, seriously though. Um, so I think that shift in perspective, while I don't wish it upon anyone, just gave me this new life of what's truly important, what do I truly focus on? Um, and then it also just made me hit a couple of pause buttons because I was just going and um, I needed to slow down. I needed to take care of myself. Um, 
I actually, at the exact same time of being diagnosed, um, was actually going through a divorce as well. And so trying to figure out how to become a single mom in this whole uh, crazy world. And um, I relied on my son's dad to do a lot of the heavy lifting at home. And I didn't have that anymore. And so um, all of that to say, just the the force to reprioritize, I'm actually super grateful for, um, because now coming out of it, I have an amazing relationship with my son and we're just this little team and he's in the office sometimes and he travels on work trips with me sometimes and um, he just gets it and we've got that kind of figured out and handled. And then um, at work, I just come in with this like renewed perspective that I give some of these young ones that their whole lives revolve around this deal that they're doing or this activation that they're getting ready to do. And I, I just like, give them that breath of like, step back, smell the roses, like, yes, work hard, but you know, you only have one life, you might as well enjoy living it. Um, so yeah, there's, there's that whole story in addition to everything else. <laughs> Brooke, I'm like, answer, I'm responding every time you're done talking with like, oh my gosh, every <laughs> time, every story. And I'm so grateful that you shared that. Cause that's so personal. Um, but the, the lessons that you've learned and are able to apply and then share, I think are really meaningful for a lot of people. And, um, just thank you for doing yeah. that. Yeah. And Listen to body. That's the only, that's the biggest lesson I have is if something doesn't feel right, it's probably not. And you know, your body will make you listen one way or another. It's just, do you listen when it whispers or do you listen when it yells? Yeah. And that, that is, that is so true. And, um, you can find a million things to do instead of go to the doctor. Um, your schedule is stacked. You're reviewing it on Monday and see there's no holes, you know, there's, there's no room for anything else, but, um, you know, truly like the most important thing is your health. And if you don't have your health, you can, you can testify to that. You don't have anything. You can't work. You can't do the job. You can't show up for your life in the way that you want to, if you're not well. I think the craziest thing that I still am trying to wrap my head around is you made the point earlier of like, you know, you are where you're supposed to be. Like I met that couple, you know, gosh, 12 years ago, um, almost 13 years ago, being a kindergarten teacher and a parent coming in and saying, Hey, He's looking for somebody to help him throw a party. Do you want to? And then fast forward to being there for them in a extra, incredibly low spot of their lives um, because it was my job, my job that, by the way, they helped get. And then fast forward to we were planning another charity event and she was like, stop working on this. Take the time. Go. Like, honestly, had I not met her 13 years ago, I might not be sitting here today because I wouldn't have listened to myself. And so it's just so crazy how small this world is. It is. And pay attention, right? Mm -hmm. You pay attention to those whispers from your body, pay attention to your intuition, pay attention to the people that are around you because they're, they're meant to be there. They're supposed to be there. And if you think about their purpose and how they can impact or affect or like guide you, it's it, one, it's comforting. Um, but two, like 
it leads you to, to the next place that you're supposed to be. Yeah. You're so tuned into that. And I think all of the stories today really, really taught us a lot and reminded us a lot about intuition and trusting yourself, trusting your gut and, um, and, and being, being yourself and showing up as that unique person is, is what's going to make your life great. And it's what is going to make your life yours instead of somebody else's. I think the last thing I would add is so many women ask me, like, how do you do it all? You know, especially with like being a single mom now, like how, how in the world do you do it all? And this, um, idea of like work-life balance, I think is crap. <laughs> like, because at the end of the day, if you're, if things are truly balanced, then they're 50, 50. Right. And so I don't do anything at 50%. And so if I'm balanced, I'm only giving 50% to my job and I'm only giving 50% to my personal life. And at the end of the day, they're both just falling apart if, if that's the case. And so I have, um, and trust me, I, I wish I would have found this out an easier way, but through everything that I've gone through, I've been forced to truly like tilt and I'm either a hundred percent working or I'm a hundred percent mom. And that goes in like timeframes of like, if I'm at soccer practice, like I am a hundred percent mom mode. But then when we get in the car, I'll say to my son, I'm like, Hey, while we're driving from here to dinner, I've got to take a call. I need 15 minutes and then I'm back to you. And he gets it. And um, so it can be as small as like 15 minute increments when you're hundred percent one thing. And then you turn around and 15 minutes later, you're hundred percent another thing. But I think if we kid ourselves and that we can balance everything, like you're just setting yourself up for failure. And so just understand that um, your focus needs to be on whatever you need to focus on. And if something really big is happening at work, then just explain to everyone, hey, this is what I need to focus on. But then also give the other side that same focus um, so that everyone just feels like they they get a part of you. Um, and then you, you know, fall apart at the end of the day, crash into the bed. <laughs> it is so well, well put when you're when you're trying to juggle. Mm -hmm. everything is truly in the air. I mean, that's the definition of juggling. So going all in time for the final four questions, yep. quick hitters. What is your best piece of advice for women to apply today to level up tomorrow? I'm going to go back to stop trying to blend in, like be you be different, like be the blonde with the crazy colors that walks into a room and heels and everybody turns and looks like there, there have been so many times where I've walked in with five or six male colleagues and, you know, we walk into that same meeting the next week and people remember my name and they don't remember anybody else's name. And like, I just goes to stay like, instead of trying to be someone else, just be yourself and, and find a place that actually allows you to be yourself. Um, because otherwise you're just not going to love it. And if you don't love it, like, what are we doing this for? Where are you traveling to next? Oh, Lord. Well, personally, let's see. Yeah, um, it's it's about to be spring break. So Griffin and I are going down to Siesta Key, Florida, which is where my parents live. It's also the most beautiful place on earth. So um, if there's a wave of people that go there, I'll take the credit and tell them that they can give me a free timeshare. But like, it's just, it's, it's what I call my happy place. Um, it's where I truly disconnect and just 
enjoy the beauty that is that area. Um, and then professionally, um, where do I go next? Probably a NASCAR race that's coming up, Final Four and Super Bowl and all of that just got done with. So really it's either a baseball game um, or, or a NASCAR race that's probably coming up. What is your pump up song? Oh gosh, I have so many. Um, all right, this is gonna sound ridiculously corny, but again, 90s girl and I was raised in the country. Um, the man I feel like a woman by Shania Twain, like that da 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 da. And then she goes, let's go, girls. Like I'm ready to kick a door down. <laughs> Love it. Okay, and last question. What is your favorite quote? Ah, so. I actually use this one all the time. And um, the person who told me it um, was Susan O'Malley, who is a professor at the University of South Carolina now, but Susan was the first female president of um, really any professional sports team, but definitely um, first female president of an NBA team. And I heard her speak and she said, um, to succeed in life, you need three bones. You need a wishbone, a backbone, and a funny bone. And a wishbone so that you can have big dreams, like the sky's the limit, a backbone so that you always know how to stand your ground, and then a funny bone, just just remember it that, you know, not to take yourself too seriously because you're not going to make it out of this world alive. Um, I've subsequently found out that that's a Reba McIntyre quote, or at least Reba claims it. So um, I always give the, the quote to Susan O'Malley, but um, I think Reba had a thing to do with it too, which that's not a bad woman to have a quote from either. I love that. Well, Brooke, this has been such a pleasure and I'm so grateful to you for sharing your voice and your story with us on the Leadership is Female podcast. Thanks so much for having me. With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, early in our careers, we are trying to blend in. We wanted to be considered one of the guys. Now I understand that different is better. It gives perspective and variety. Imagine if the world was all the same. How boring would that be? Number two, a lot of people can sympathize, but not a lot of people can empathize. Number three, there's no such thing as balance. I don't do anything at 50% in life, so if I am only giving half, everything is falling apart. Give 100% of your focus to the thing you need to focus on. And number four, you are exactly where you are meant to be. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Time is your most precious resource, and it means the world that you spent it with us. Please help us reach more people who need to hear these interviews by hitting the subscribe button and the five-star rating on your iPhone. Do you know someone who could benefit from this interview? Please share it. Take a screenshot and post your Instagram stories, copy the link and share on LinkedIn, or text that link to your colleague. The Leadership is Female podcast exists to showcase female leadership in sports and entertainment and give you the tips to level up. We will extend a hand back to lead you forward. Extend the same hand by sharing this with someone who needs to hear it. One last thing. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Leadership is Female. Now, take this lesson and run. Let's go. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.